You're listening to Diverse City Podcast. Please stay tuned to hear a powerful word. For giving or more church information, check us out at diversecity.church. Or to text to give, text DIVERSE to 73256. Thank you for listening and enjoy the word. We are on week one of our Unwrapped series. And Pastor James asked if I can do this first one, so I said, sure. And unwrapped, what are we unwrapping? What are we talking about? What is the Lord going to reveal today? Let's get started. I need my gift pickers. Where are my gift pickers at? There we go. This whole cheap section right here. Come on up here. Let's give them a hand, please. Y'all have 10 seconds to pick any gift on the stage, to the right of the stage or under the tree. Pick a gift. Pick, 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 pick. Hurry it up, hurry it up, hurry it up. They're going to pick a gift. Pick the one that you, it, is it heavy? Oh my, well, somebody help her. She look raggedy, y'all. Somebody help her pick it up. There we, there we go. Okay. You said it's a brick, Rosemary. Come on, come on, come on. Go on and unwrap it. We're going to do one gift this week. All right. Somebody go on and unwrap it. That is the, well, it was pretty until my daughter got a hold of it. Unwrap it. What do y'all got? The gift is life. The gift of life. The gift of life. John eleven forty three through 44. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands, feet unwrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. Amen. The gift of life. Thank you, girls. Can y'all please give them a hand? Listen, each week we're going to unwrap something. So I took it as literally. So each week we're going to unwrap one of the gifts. I'm going to leave it up here. And this is the gift of life. The gift of life. The name of the message is the Lazarus effect. The Lazarus effect. What I think of when I think of life is a heartbeat. Okay? I think of the human heart. And just for two seconds, y'all are going to go to nursing school. And in case you don't know, I'm a nurse for my secular trade. And one of the things that we're taught in nursing school is the importance of a heartbeat. Do you know why, as a nurse, the best thing you can hear is a heartbeat? Any? This is literally open-ended. Life, right? The worst thing you can hear is an absent heartbeat. Just for your record, the heart beats 4,800. That's 4,800 times in one hour. That's going at about 80 beats per minute, okay? In one day, the average heart beats 115,000 times. That means in one year, the average heart beats 42 million times. 42 million times. If I can hear what a normal sinus rhythm sounds like, this is what a heartbeat sounds like. This is what brings life. The first sound a baby hears is his mother's heartbeat. The Bible says in the womb that God knew us even at that time. 
predestined, authority spoken over us, and there is life. We're unwrapping the gift of life. What gift did we unwrap? What gift did we unwrap? As a nurse, anybody recognize the next slide? That's normal sinus rhythm. That is a good, healthy heart rate. Does anybody recognize the next slide? Thank you, Ms. Sharon. She said, that means they did, yes. It's called asystole. Joseph, let's hear what that sounds like. Thank you. As a nurse, that will put ice in my veins. That is death. That is the heart stopping, and life as you know it is stopping. As a nurse, that's me running and getting the biggest IV I can find, shoving it in your veins. We're grabbing epi. We're getting ready to resuscitate, run a full coat, because we're going to do everything in our might to try and save you. But that's my thinking as a nurse. What does it mean on the spiritual end for there to be death? What does it mean for your dreams to die, when goals die, when your job dies? I can tell you right now, if you lose your job, an IV's not going to help you. I can jump on your chest all you want to, but that's not going to stop you from being lonely or in a bad relationship. When you lose your direction, where is the life that you need to be brought back into it? That is the life that we are unwrapping today. Am I talking to anybody? Listen, we're going to go to Bethany, okay? Bethany is where we're going to start. We will be in John chapter 11. If anybody's following along with me, John chapter 11. And we're going to talk about Lazarus. Now, at the very beginning of the chapter, in verse 3, it opens up with the story of Martha, Mary, and Joseph. And at this time, Lazarus is very sick. He's very, very sick. I don't know if any of us have personally dealt with the sickness or see a loved one succumb to an illness, but his sisters are at a place where they are worried about their brother. It doesn't say at the beginning how long he has been dealing with this illness, but we come into the story where he is at his bed, his deathbed, and it is not looking good for him. It says in 11, John 11, verse 3. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is sick. That's the message they sent to Jesus. It didn't say they sent it to a doctor. It didn't say that they sent it to the elders or um, some of the ladies who maybe can whip up some anointed oils and put it over him. They sent it to Jesus. The first point is you have to know when to send an SOS. You have to know when to talk to God and let him know that the situation that you're dealing with is looking like it's going to die. That whatever it is that you're needing, that it started off healthy. Lazarus was an older man. He, didn't, he, he had lived. He was otherwise healthy, just like our goals, just like our dreams, just like things that we are called to. It starts off fine, but then something happens. 
How long do you wait before you bring God into the equation to let him know, hey, we are struggling. It is not looking good. I need help right now. They knew what to do. They said the one that you love is sick. Jeremiah 33 and 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. You need more? Psalm 77 and 1 says, I cried out for help and you answered me. That was David talking to God about his persecution, about everything that he was going to struggle with depression, oppression. He said, I called out to my God and he helped me. Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help come from the Lord. Pastor Virginia, why you mention all those? Because I want you to know that the life of something that you're dealing with requires the help of God. But it's not you. It's not, oh, I can't figure this out. It's not, oh, I did something wrong. The people in the Bible, there are scripture, account after account after account of people who had to call on the name of the Most High. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It doesn't mean that you are the only person that is inadequate. We are all inadequate. We all have to call on his name. We are all at his mercy. Amen? Amen. Verses 4 through 6 go on to say that Jesus received the word. Somebody said he received it. They don't know, but he received it. He received it. But he wasn't bothered. He wasn't bothered. He received the word that his friend, that he loved, was ill. And he did not let it bother him. He said, you know what, that's okay. Because I know that this illness will not overcome him. And because this illness will not overcome him, it will go to give my God all the glory, and help bring glory to me, his son. I'm going to make this work for his good. Five and six, it goes to describe how Jesus loved Martha and Mary. But when he heard that, G- that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was another couple days. Now, wait a minute. We're talking about unwrapping life. Can I hear someone say life? We're talking about unwrapping life. And when you need life, you have to send an SOS to God. And you have to let him know that you need help. But here in this example, we see that they sent an SOS. They sent a message to him. He got it. Everything's good. But he didn't rush to their aid. That is for someone to hear. He doesn't always rush to your aid in the way that you think he's going to. You may say, God, I need this right this second, right now. And then the message is received. He said, okay, God. He said, okay, daughter. Okay, son, I hear you. I see you. I know your circumstances. I got this. And he sits back because the victory is already won. And he just wants you to trust in him and more than what you can see. Mary and Martha at home twiddling their thumbs. I know Jesus got this message. Why isn't he here yet? He waited. He waited. One of the hardest things to do is to be patient. 
when it seems like you want your change yesterday. You're trying to make things work on your own. You've prayed to God. You feel like you haven't heard anything. You pray to God some more. You're trying to make things work on your end. And it doesn't feel like you're getting any closer to that life that we're trying to unwrap. Am I talking to anybody else other than me? Were you needing that breakthrough immediately? You might say, well, I don't need a breakthrough. You know, for real, all I, I got my wife, I got my kids, or, you know, I have a job. But what's your worship like? Do you feel dry? Does life need to come to your worship? Does life need to come in how you even see yourself? How you interpret relationships? What is acceptable for you to receive? I'm not just talking about life in the physical. How you operate requires life. And not just any life. Like the song says, when you move, that's when miracle. We need the life that only God can give. Amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. So it got to a point, okay, where Jesus, he talks to his disciples. And if you're listening or reading through, it's in verse 7. And Jesus said, listen, we need to go back to Judea. We need to go. And he knows that Lazarus is sick, so that's why he needs to go back there. And in verse 8, he says, but Rabbi, last time, and these are his disciples, they're sharing their heart with him. They said, Last time, the Jews tried to stone you. They tried to kill you. In John chapter 11, verse 9, it says, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is the man who walks at night that will stumble because they have no light. I studied this verse probably for a whole week because I was like, I don't even know. Is he talking about time? Where's 12 hours coming from? I need to know what he's talking about. So on the next slide, we're going to call this our Selah moment. And we're going to talk about specifically and pull from and let the Holy Spirit minister to us. We're going to pause and think on this verse. Now, what I understand is that there are 12 hours in a day. Yes or no? All right, 12 hours in a day. That is a fact. 12 hours of daylight. Thank you. 12 hours of daylight. And what Jesus is trying to let them know, even though he knows their heart and his disciples are coming from a place of fear, not just for Jesus, but for them, right? Because if he's going, if Jesus goes and he's going to be stoned, they got some stones for his followers too. Okay, so if there are 12 hours of daylight and that is a fact, then Jesus is letting them know, hey, what's also concrete and what's also a fact is that I know when my final hours will be and I'm not worried about it because it's not going to be when I go to visit Lazarus. That is not where my end is and I trust what my father has for me so I can go back and I'm not worried about dying. Trust that. 
there is still time for me. Okay. All right. But then it goes on to say, when a man walks at night, that's when he can stumble. That's when he can have issues. All right. This is what the Holy Spirit said. Okay. When you have the light with you, you have direction and you will not fall and harm yourself. But when you are without the light, then you're walking in darkness and then anything can happen. So Jesus is the light. And when his disciples go back to Judea to visit Lazarus, no harm will come to them because they have the light with them. But when there is, there will be a time where the light won't be with them. Are you with me? There will be a time where the light will not be with them. For those of us who follow Christ, we have the light with us. We see the light. It doesn't mean that we won't have hard days. It doesn't mean that there won't be rough times. But those of us who walk without the light, then we literally are walking in the darkness and we're not under the umbrella of Jesus. So anything and everything can and will happen, but you don't have the grace or the umbrella of God to protect you and help you to get up when you get knocked down. I said, Holy Spirit, what? When we walk in the light... We have the power and the protection. And when we walk in the darkness, that's when we have the problems. What do you need life in? You send the SOS. God receives it. But it doesn't seem like things are moving fast enough. But then I will ask you the same question I asked myself. Am I walking in the light or am I walking in the darkness? I need things to happen in my life, but I'm trying to make it happen super fast. So I'm walking in the darkness because I'm going outside of his will. So I continue to fall. I continue to get deeper and deeper in depression. The further you go from the light, the darker it is. Now you can say, well, duh, of course the darker it is. But think about it. The further you get from the source, the darker it is. And that is not a place where we want to be. Amen? That was my Selah moment. Come on, y'all. That's when I had to get, like, I had a whole notebook, and I was like, Lord, speak to me. Not, and y'all, not only did he speak to me, but he was like, Virginia, there are some times where you think that you're walking in the light, but you're trying to bring life as a nurse to a situation in your humanness that you can't bring life to. And the more you try and bump heads with me, the further in the darkness you're going. And I'm just saying, okay, Lord, dang. Come on, dang, I'm trying to bring the word to the people. You don't have to make me feel bad. I was just trying to do what you said to do. And he was like, no, there's a connection and a correction. I said, well, okay. Now, now listen, I said in the, the next slide, who is your ride or die? Who is your ride or die? 
And the reason why I said that is because his, one of his disciples, Thomas, also go, went by Didymus, said, look, y'all, um, he's going either way, so we're going to go too. So if he die, we die. He go, we go. Now, I, I put my own spin on it because I feel like he was like really amp about it, although I don't know anybody that's really amp about going to their death. But I felt like he was like, this is our rabbi. This is our father. This is our teacher. He rolling, we rolling. Who rolling? And they all go out. And then it got me thinking, when you're on a mission, right, because you need life, maybe God's using you to bring life, who do you depend on to help? My acronym I said for life is literally investing for eternity. That's you. You are given the gift of life, and everything you do with that gift determines how well your gift works. What influences are you pouring into that gift? I tell you right now, Andrew is my ride or die. I'm not just saying that because he's my husband, but like, well, kind of because he is my husband. But your husband should be your ride or die, talking to the wives. Who is your ride or die that will hold you accountable, that will be praying for you constantly? It could be a friend. It could be a sister. But what you don't want is for your ride or die to be someone that takes you further into the darkness. They take you further into the darkness and they draw you away from the light. So instead of giving you life, they are taking your life. They are draining you. You find that you're heavy every single day after you started hanging out with so-and-so and so-and-so. You need motivation to even get out of the bed in the morning. What are you listening to that you are putting into your spirit? Come on, Christians. Am I talking to anybody in here? What are you subjecting yourself to? Because it changes your gift. It changes the life. And instead of having your ride or die, you're just dying. You're dying. And the person that's leeching off of you or that thing or the items or the people, they're dying right alongside with you. As you sink deeper and deeper and deeper into darkness. Who is your ride or die? And that's not something you have to answer right now or out loud, but it's an eternal check. This story of Lazarus, yes, it's about life, but it's also an amazing story of over overcoming through faith. And if anything, if you can look at yourself and see what is it I need to do differently? What is it that I am allowing to come in or come out? Because it is affecting the very gift or gifts that God is giving me. Amen. All right. Verse 17 through 20. Jesus arrived. He's on the outskirts. He's doing things in wisdom. He didn't throw a parade. I'm like, ha ha, I'm here because some of the Jewish leaders are trying to kill him. Okay, so, well, because at first I was kind of like, why does he seem like he's being real low key? Why does it seem like he's being, I would be like, hey guys, I'm here, where's Lazarus? No, he's very 
very discreet. And he met with Martha. And I have to ask, how many of us are like Martha? There's Martha and there's Mary. But how many of us are like Martha? She went and she met him. And she was respectful. But she was like, where have you been? If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. She's being very honest. I want you guys to know that he cares, okay? He cares about you. He cares about your request. He cares about Mary. He cares about Martha, and he cares about Lazarus. When she had the conversation with him, she was very open and very honest, and he's letting her know. Literally, he let her know, hey, don't worry. He's, he's not going to die. He's going to come back through the resurrection, and Mary, or I'm sorry, Martha, so in her feelings, she's like, yeah, I know, because he believes in you, and you're the truth, and the way, and the life, and you know, it's all going to happen. And he's like, no, really, through the resurrection, through me, today, right now, it's going to happen. But she's so in her feelings that she's just going through the, 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 the flow of things that she's been taught, that she knows. She even goes on to say, well, I... He's dead now, but I know if you wanted to call on God, you could bring him back. But she's also saying, yeah, he's gone. And I know that he'll have eternal life one day when we're all caught up. And She's wanting a miracle, but not asking for a miracle, but needing a miracle. She don't know what she wants. She's talking to Jesus, and she's sharing how she feels. But she's, she's, not, she, she's, not, she's not asking with the authority that she has the power to ask in. She's a victim. She has all the power, but she's a victim. So when you have that mentality, you lose that assertiveness when you talk to the appropriate people. When you talk to the I am, you forget who you're talking to, even though you know who you're talking to. May I have the next slide, Joseph? I am. This says, in John, there are seven profound I ams. And when you think about who is it that cares for me, I want you to think of these things, okay? Because he says, I am. I am the bread of life. That's John 6, 34. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world, John 8, 12. I am the door of the sheep. If you didn't know, you're the sheep. So am I. He is the door. I am the God, I am the good shepherd, John 10, 11. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth and the life. I am the true vine. I am cares for you. I don't know if you can have a bigger title other than I am. You can be the president of the United States, but the shortest title I am is bigger than that title. Something that caught my eye that says, I am the true vine. And I've looked at it often. It's not even like it was my first time seeing it. But because he took to the time to say true vine, that lets me know that there are some fake sources out there. There are some fake things that you think 
you need to attach yourself to. There will be some things that will deceive you if you are not careful and you yoke yourself to something because he is the true vine. Somebody say true vine. He is the true vine. And that is what you should connect to. That is where you get your wholeness from. That is where you get your life from. When we're spiraling and when things are getting heavy, we look to the wrong sources sometimes. But don't think you're the only one. We have all looked to the wrong sources from time to time. The only difference between a saint and a sinner is that a saint got up. Don't think that you are a terrible person because you stumbled or you struggled. Don't think that there is no hope for your life because that's what Satan wants you to think. Maybe you flatlined. You have completely given up. You no longer believe that you are called into ministry. You no longer believe that there is a job for you. You no longer believe you can be a good father. Flatlined. But I am here to tell you, come on, I am here to tell you that we serve a God whose circumstance, the way that he gives is not based on our circumstances. The way that he gives life cannot be taught in a medical school. The way that he picks you up when Satan would want you to stay weighted down is unparalleled to anything in this world. You need to know that there is hope. Not just for you, but for the person next to you. We are unwrapping life. Come on, somebody, say life. We're unwrapping it. And there's no reason that the person next to you can unwrap life, but you cannot. There's nothing in the Bible that says that Sharita gets to have life. Karen Guzman gets to have life. Elmer served in the military, so he gets to have life. But Virginia, she's got four kids. She struggles with self-esteem. She, she struggles balancing their checkbook. She can't have life. She don't deserve it. Well, look, newsflash, none of us deserve grace and mercy. None of us. But it's because God cares, because he loves us. Come on. Somebody sitting in the seat right now feels like they don't even deserve to take a next breath. Somebody in the seat right now feel like giving up on their kids because they feel like it's flatlined. Their kids are a lost cause. They will never get a good job. They'll always be on public support. But you are worth it. If you were not, he would not have sent his son to die for you. You are worth it. When you connect to the true vine, when you connect to the great I am, then you start to get pumped full of the, the truth. And the truth is that you are lovable and capable. You are not a mistake. You are worth every bit of it. And that you will do everything that God has called you to do. Ignore the lies. Ignore being overwhelmed. Ignore what Satan wants you to focus on. But it's in the name of the great I am that we have a chance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. 
We don't deserve it, Lord, but you are so worthy. Mm. Oh, goodness. The great I am cares. Can't get any better than that. In the next slide, I say that there will always be haters. Haters. Having anger towards everyone reaching success. Now, this is not to knock someone and be on Facebook and be like, my pastor said, y'all all some haters, y'all can kick right. I didn't say that. What I'm saying is that there are people sometimes that you don't do anything to them, but they look and see what you're doing. They see what God is bringing up in your life. And then they don't look back at themselves and say, well, am I walking in the light or am I walking in darkness? They don't look and say, am I in God's will? They just look and see what you're doing and they're mad. There will always be haters and I'm sorry, but that is the truth. So what does that mean to a Christian when you want life and you're seeking life and God says, all right, I'm going to have you start your own business. I'm going to give you life in business. So then you go on Facebook. Guess what, y'all? I'm getting ready to start my own business. Woo, praise God, worship hands, confetti. You're excited, right? You done stepped out on faith. I'm linked to the source, the true vine. Start my business. I'm going to go ahead and stop just for a second. I'm sure the media team's ready, and I want to look at this brief, brief clip about what happens sometimes when Christians step out on faith. Whenever you're ready. Load the jump rope. Turn the lights down a little, please. Don't judge me. This is from the movie Matrix, y'all. 1999 in the house. You have to let it all go, Neil. Turn it up just Fear, a little. Doubt and disbelief. Free your mind. That's how I feel sometimes, y'all. Hang on. Okay, okay. Free your mind, Christian. No one's ever made the first jump. I know, I know. But what if he does? He won't. Those are your spectators. Right. You getting ready to start your business, y'all. You getting in your head, you're gonna start it, you're gonna do it. By faith, I'm believing. Start my own business. Oh, no. That was a long fall. Thank you, team. If you can bring the lights back up. Come on, somebody. I watched the movie uh, Matrix the other day, and it's just been talking to me for like a week, okay? Now, there will always be haters. Why did I show that clip? Because there will always be people that are watching you as a Christian, and they're like, oh, you're going to do this, and oh, she's going to do that. And then the second you get up the nerve to step out on faith, but it may not go the way that you want, oh, the haters going to talk. I thought God was going to have her. I thought her God was going <laughs> to She took that status down real quick, didn't she? <laughs> When your business starting, girl, dot, 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 dot. 
Hey, I see so much messiness on Facebook. And God had to convict me because I'll sit there and read all 250 lines of an argument, too, to see who said what and what's going on. I'd be like, oh, snap. It's getting worse. I'm telling on myself. See, in the movie, Neo had to get himself in the right mind frame because he doesn't quite know the potential of who he is. He doesn't know what he's predestined to do. And this is his first jump. And it was a fail. His mind tripped him up because he didn't believe what he was called to do. And I just, I guess because haters are always watching, because people will be looking for you to fail, I want you to know that just because you failed did not change your qualification to do what God called you to do. It doesn't stop the gift from being any less real because you are still learning how to use it. The whole point is that you take that first step and then the second step. And where you fall, there's God's grace. You stand up. If you need help, the Holy Spirit is a hand that will pick you up off the ground, dust you off, and you keep going. The haters, they in the background. Don't even worry about it. It doesn't even matter. Well, where, where does this, how does this apply with Lazarus? Listen, it says, hang on, let me find my spot. In verse 37, in verse 37, some of the people who were there mourning with Mary and Martha, when they saw Jesus, they were like, wait a minute. Ain't that Jesus? That's Lazarus' friend. Why didn't he just heal him like he healed the blind guy? Why didn't he just bring him up and raise him? What is going on that he, he didn't even do what he could do? Haters, if they hate Jesus, if they hate God, they're going to hate you when you start proclaiming stuff, when you start doing things out of the ordinary or what they feel crazy, what they feel you should do, when they feel what you should do. I'd be like, sorry, Barbara, which one of my bills are you paying this month that you can tell me what I should be doing? They can hate all by themselves because I am a child of God and I know what God called me to. If I fail, let me look. Am I connected to the light? God, help me. I'm trying. What do I need to do? The important thing is that you don't give up. Am I talking to somebody? All of this applies to me and it applies to you. It applies to us all. Hey, what are we unwrapping? What are we unwrapping? My next slide, it says with a warning sign, be careful what you pray for. Mm -hmm. I heard this whole mm -hmm section over here. <laughs> be careful what you pray for. And you say, that's so silly. Why would you say something like that? I mean, we pray for what we pray for. Mm-mm. Because when you pray for something, there's an expectation that it's going to happen. And then the question then becomes, were you even ready to begin with? Huh? Or you just prayed a flippant prayer and didn't think anything was going to happen. So then when something did happen, you were caught off guard. Now, Martha 
prayed, Mary prayed, and they asked that their brother, Lazarus, who was dead for four days now by the time Jesus got there, they prayed for his healing. So we get to the point where they say, uh, okay, God, can you please, Jesus, can you please heal him? And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to do it, but first I need you to go ahead and move the tomb, move the rock that's in front of him. I want you to roll that away. So here's a couple things, couple big things. We had to do something. I don't know if you caught that, but Jesus gave them an instruction to roll the tomb, roll the rock away. He could have did it himself, but the point is that he asked them to do something. Well, for me, I'm like, Lord, I need help with my finances. And then he'll say, okay, Virginia, I want you to write a budget out, and I want you to look at all the spending that you're doing. And I want, I'm, wait, what? I said, I want like $25,000 in my checking account, but you want me to do what? Oh, okay. I mean, okay. He wants us to do things sometimes. We can ask, but then his response may be done, but you need to be prepared for what you're asking for. So I'm going to have you do X, Y, and Z. Okay, just hold on to that thought. Because Martha, when, when told, move the stone away, was like, oh, Lord, no. He's been in there four days. That's going to stink. Don't you know what happens to a body when it starts to decay? That last part was ad lib. That's not really in the Bible. That was just me interpreting. Um, I just, because I don't want you looking for it in the Bible. But I'm just saying, that's what she's saying. It's going to stink. First of all, Martha, didn't you just ask God to bring your brother back to life? That was your prayer. But now you all held up because there's going to be a smell? Newsflash, sometimes when things have to come back to life, it's going to stink. It's going to ruffle some feathers. It's going to cause some discomfort. It's going to make people uncomfortable because you were dead. You have been that drug addict that's always been off on your own, doing your own thing, and people know you for that. But then God says, okay, and poof, brings life to you, and now people are like, they don't even know how to process that. But you were dead. To them, they don't even know how to process you. When we're praying and we're asking for things, you should expect an outcome, but you should also expect that you might have to put in some work. Like I said, I, I try to work on our finances between my husband and I, two income, one income, middle ground. And I was like, Lord, I just need a miracle in my finances. Bring life to my finances. And then God said, I want you to do a financial fast, and I don't want you to spend any extra money. And I said, let me turn the TV off. I thought he said he don't want me. Lord, let me light my candles. Worship. Yes. Speak to my heart, Lord. I need a breakthrough in my finances. I need life in my finances. And then God was like, no problem. I need you to stop spending money at Chick-fil-A and stop going to Starbucks all the time. 
I said, oh, Holy Spirit, no. The devil's trying to mix truth and lies and I I drove the next day and we went by Chick-fil-A. My kids, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. Nah, I made some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So uh, they was like, Charlotte started crying. She's like, but Chick-fil-A's over there. I was like, no, we got to, we got to do what the Lord says. Because there's no way you can continue to do your own thing. If you go to my next slide, you do your own thing instead of trying to do things God's way. This is just a random, he's a comedian actually, but this math equation in his head, right? Like he wants to do things his way. He's trying to figure out, okay, I got $2 in my account. I believe that God's going to bless me with 2000 And if I just hold on and cross this, but you know what? I really want to go ahead and go in, uh, to this Black Friday sale. So I'm going to go ahead and swipe my card and hope it go through. My account will be negative, but it'll be, no, I don't know. I say this slide to say that there is a way that appears right to a man. When you are connected to the source, though, the true vine, it brings correction. And when I tell you, you feel like giving up sometimes because you continue to make mistake after mistake after mistake. My husband trusts me with our finances, but I tell you, almost 14 years married, we still trying to figure this out. And sometimes I'm like, God, ooh, 14 years? I'm just being honest with y'all. 14 years and we still trying to get it together. But that's okay because there's life in continuing to try because otherwise it's death because you're not trying anymore. Someone might struggle with addiction in here and you try and you try and you try and you fail and you fail and you fail. But that's okay because you continue to try and eventually you'll get to the point where you stop stop breaking down so much and stop going back to that stuff. It's only when you give up. It's only when you give up that that flat line happens. But listen, four days flatlined. Four days, no pulse. I read in um, this commentary, it said that in the Jewish tradition at that time, three days, even after a body's dead, three days, somebody say three days real quick, three days. Three days after a body's dead, they still believed that the soul is hovering above the body. So if we wanted to Maybe somehow they got mercy. They can put the soul back in the body and then poof, it comes back to life. But it's only for three days. Jesus came on the fourth day. Okay? Because God's going to get all the glory in this. Not a Jewish custom where you believe at three days it can come back. But they reached the rock bottom day four. He's not coming back. How many of us reach day four, rock bottom, you're done. You don't feel like trying anymore. You're tired of being a single parent. Nobody knows what you're going through. No one sees the tears at night. You're tired of being an addict because nobody understands what it's like to try and turn from something that seems to have a lasso and grip 
your very soul. But I'm here to tell you not to give up. As God spoke to Lazarus, he can speak the gift of life into any situation. And it does not matter the circumstances and no respecter of the person, but that you are called and you are his. Amen, somebody. Amen, amen. In the very last slide, in the very last uh, clip, I want y'all to look at this. If you can turn the lights down. I'm going to tie this whole thing together real quick. Joseph, if you can play it. now he sees different y'all he's starting to believe in himself don't he almost look bored Joseph if you can turn the lights back up Andrew listen now listen 1999, The Matrix, what? Pastor Virginia, what are you doing? Listen, 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 listen. When you understand the gift of life and you understand whose you are, when you start to understand the authority you have when you walk and the authority and power you have in your tongue, when you start to believe, when it really gets in your mind so that insecurities start to fall off and things that Satan wants to keep you down starts to fall off, then you will know that you have the power to change things. In the movie, he didn't believe. He kind of was, you know, it took him... Say, I'm sorry, the, the agents were kicking his butt all over the place, all over the place. And then something clicked. Something clicked. And when he stood up and they started to shoot at him like they do, because they're fighting him the way they always have, he put his hand up. He said, no, I'm not running. No, I'm not going to try and dodge. He simply stopped the bullet. Listen, Satan can only fight you the way he always has. And when you realize who you are in God, when Satan starts coming for you and he's coming for your family, after a while of getting knocked around, you will start to say, I am the one true child of the one true king. No, Satan, you are not going to throw me all around this room. I have the power of God living inside of me. I have the life of the living word inside of me. And while you may come for me the way that you always have, I have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit fighting on my side. And it's no longer me doing things on my own. Am I talking to somebody? Do you decide life? 
Do you decide life? Stephanie and Angie, if y'all want to come up. Do you decide life? Joseph, we're going to do the song. Listen, this is what I, this is what I do every morning. Y'all don't judge me. Every morning, sometimes I struggle with uh, insecurities and I get all in my head about stuff. And I have to, I have to get in my mind. This is my alarm clock song for real. Crank it up, please. I ain't done. I ain't done. What? Are you done? I ain't done. As long as there's breath in my lungs. This is what I do every morning. I decide I'm going to choose life. Satan can't keep me in my bed bound in depression. I may not have all the answers, but I'm going to do everything that I can to bring glory to God because he gave me a gift. Because he gave me a gift, he made a way. Because he made a way, I'm going to walk in that way. And when I stumble, the Bible says as he picked Lazarus up, the Bible said as he had the blind man to see, the Bible said that he made a way for me, I'm going to get up and walk in it. But did you decide to go and grab the life? Did you decide to accept the gift? You can't do anything if you don't move the stone, Martha. Gotta move the stone. Get out the way. This is the gift of life in the unwrapped series. The kids came up and they unwrapped life. And it is offered to every single one of us. The prayer team, if you can come up. If you say, I'm done, I have flatlined, I have done everything I can, I have done all I know how, I have tried and I have tried and I have tried and I still continue to fail, and I need God to come in and bring me the gift of life. I need life to overcome this depression. I need life to overcome this addiction. I need life to believe in my business, to believe in my family, to believe in myself. We're going to open up this altar to you. And we're going to pray with you. Because the worst thing you can do is to get all those gifts under your control.